Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Today I'd like to preach a message that I trust that will be helpful to all of us when it comes to missions. And it's found in Matthew chapter 6. If you'd like to take uh, notes this morning, I believe it's around page 16 of your, of your book. You could write down a few thoughts today as we share this message this morning. This is our 13th annual missions conference. And the purpose of this conference is certainly to challenge all of us to reach the world with the gospel message. We've been introduced to missionaries. They're already doing that. And I praise the Lord for your giving that allows them to go. But I want you to see in this morning's message um, that we we are all, every single one of us, to have a part of this mission to reach the world. And we do this through praying. We do it through giving. We do it through going. Um, But I think that we all must uh, perform what I call a spiritual evaluation to help us determine if we're ready to participate in this endeavor called Faith Promise Missions. Now, you're visiting with us. We are so thankful that you're here today. And this is a direct challenge to our church members when it comes to their responsibility, when it comes to this biblical command to give in missions. And I feel strongly inclined this morning to preach a message that that addresses the Lord's concern. Jesus Christ, the one that was just sung about, to address his concern about misplaced priorities and and how that we miss our mission to serve the Lord. I'd like you to write this first thought down. If If our mission is right, our giving will be right. If our mission is right, our giving will be right. And so this morning, if we will have this thought, understanding that God has given me a mission, and if I do my mission, then we won't have to worry about the giving because that will be an extension of you doing your mission. Would you stand with me? In Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read a lengthy passage of Scripture. If you're visiting with us, we do so in a responsive format, that is, I'll read the odd verses, you read the even verses, and uh, we're going to read Matthew 6, 19 through 34. Now, I do want to say this from the outset. I am not going to preach through this passage. This is to help us understand a, 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 a missional message that God was giving his disciples uh, known as the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to break these verses down in the coming weeks as we're going through the book of Matthew. But this is a springboard into the message. And so I want you to follow along as we read through this. I'll begin in verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. For 
But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than the meat and the body than raiment? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I want you to notice verse 31 and following. And, um, and let's all read these uh, final, uh, uh, you read verse 32 and 34. Let's all participate this morning. Verse 31 says, therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Thank you. You may be seated. Father, would you please help us in the time that we have together to not be distracted, to consider that there's nine precious ministries that have graced us with their presence and attendance today. And they're merely a speck of all those who have decided to go wherever you've told them to go and understanding their mission and their serving you and how that we as this church that stays behind, how that we can be a help to keep them and to help them go to the field. So, Father, would you prick all of our hearts and may all of us be challenged this morning to participate in this mission that you've given us to reach the world with the gospel. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for all those who are here. Bless them now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning has been awesome and amazing. Uh, your singing was fantastic. Our special music has been so uplifting. I see more than 100 people involved in, in worship. Um, it, should, it really should be super encouraging to all of us. And the fact of the matter is, is that if all of us would grab this responsibility that God has given us a mission, that we could literally turn the world upside down. The problem is, only a few understand and take up the call. Um, if we leave this place today and we fail to understand the real reason of why we do what we do, uh, shame on me. Uh, for failing my Lord to properly and to succinctly and to adequately explain and demonstrate the mission that God has for all of us. So this morning, with God's help, I would like to preach a message simply entitled, My Mission. And you have 
a mission. There are five parts to the mission. So I have five thoughts this morning I'd like to share as a part of this mission. Of course, this is a topical message. We're not preaching expositorily as we normally do through Matthew. Um, So we're taking a a detour off of that to preach this topical uh, message on your mission. And so please feel free to take notes. Mission number one is this. We must shift. And when I use that word shift, I'm saying that we are over here. And then we must, literally, we must go over here. So we must shift from over here to over here. We must shift our thinking from self-centered to God-centered. We must shift our thinking from self-centered to God-centered. Have you ever met that person that only talks about themselves? Have you met that person that says that they are a Christian, but in the course of a lengthy conversation, there's never a mention of anything about their relationship with the Lord? Uh, They never talk about their church. They never talk about fellow Christians. We must eschew, we must eradicate the self-centeredness that pervades this society. May I just say succinctly, it is not all about you or me. It is all about Jesus. And this is what he meant by the command that's found in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and verse 8, that I referred to in my earlier prayer. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You say, well, that is what the missionaries are for. They are the ones that are to go to the uttermost part of the earth. Thank you for that thinking. You are correct. That is, that is uh, the specific call of a missionary. But I want you to notice this verse. As I break down this verse very quickly, what about those first three words? You said, Pastor, yes, the missionaries are to go to Africa and Thailand. And they're to go to other countries to reach people. But the Bible says and uses this word, Jerusalem. Do you know what Jerusalem is? That's Tucson. Uh-oh. It says that we are to all go to one of four places. And the Bible says that we are to go to Jerusalem, and that's our Tucson. And then the Bible says here that we're going to go to Judea, and that's the state of Arizona, if I could use a, a, a similar uh, format here. And then it says we're going to Samaria, and that'd be the United States of America. And then we go into the uttermost parts of the earth. I'd like to ask you, yes, it is right that we send missionaries to the uttermost parts uttermost parts of the world. But what are you doing to reach Jerusalem, which is called Tucson? If we're not doing that, we could, we could send lots of money around the world, but we must reach Tucson. This reminds me what Paul wrote to Timothy, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Do you see that? Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. You should challenge someone who says, I am a Christian. I love the Lord. And then they never talk about the Lord. They never tell someone about the Lord. Again, I submit to all of us, our attitude must shift in this 2023 year from being self-centered to God-centered. We need to have God-centered conversations. Here's mission number two. We must shift our thinking from this local life to a worldview life. We must shift our thinking from a local life to a worldview life. It's so easy, myself included, to only think of that which is immediate here in Tucson. 
And even if I cannot go, I should still have a worldview when it comes to my God-centered mission in life. Uh, The psalmist said, ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. We should be with a worldview watching this world through missionary eyes. We should be praying. Uh, We should be participating by praying for the missionaries and the lost that they're trying to reach. We have an urgent prayer request this morning. One of our own missionaries, Claudia Heppen, who uh, her family's in Germany, she's facing an emergency surgery for a large mass they found in her abdomen. I want you to write that down, Claudia Heppen. And if I have a worldview, I'm not going to just thinking about my own self-centeredness. I'm going to have a God-centered view, and I'm going to have a worldview and pray for someone that's on the other side of the world that needs our prayer right now. We have followed what the events that's taken place in Israel. Many of our church members fasted for seven days. Thank you, church members, for doing that. Thank you for your prayers this past week. It's been a long week. And as we have watched with horrifying eyes of the devastation that's taking place in Israel and the Gaza Strip, we realize that I must not have just this this local view, oh, it only matters in my life is Tucson. I must have a God-centered world view. Acts chapter 17 says, And hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. So my mission, I've got to, I've got to shift, literally, from this self-centered to a God-centered. From a local, it only matters about what's going into my life, to a worldview. And that leads me to a third way of thinking is that we must shift our thinking from having immediate values or immediate gratification to eternal values. I've got to get away from um, my self-centeredness and I need immediate gratification to understanding that I have a God-centered and I have to look with everything that I do, everything in our church, to an eternal value. According to the latest statistics, as put out by the CDC in 2021, the latest statistics that are available, last year in America alone, 3,464,231 million Americans died. Now that's just the United States of America. This is one country out of 195 that are officially recognized by the UN. So let's break down those statistics for just a moment. In the United States of America, that means that 9,491 people died per day in the year 2021. That means that 395 people died per hour. That means that 6.6 died per minute. Can we pause and think about that for just a moment? Seven people in the United States of America die every minute, or one about every 10 seconds. That's just one country in all of the world. Jesus said unto him, speaking of the man, uh, speaking to his disciples, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. 
We read it in our text. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So my mission must be God-centered, away from the self-centered, to God-centered, away from uh, immediate gratification to understanding that I need to view people with an eternal destination. You're taking notes. I would like to ask you to do something in your notes right now. I'd like you to write down the name of one person who is lost that you know. In your notes right now, one person, just one, that is lost that you know. I would dare say in the group that we have hundreds and hundreds here today that maybe there would only be two or three that would be duplicate names. So that means there's hundreds and hundreds of people that are represented right here this morning that are lost. One person that we should pray for. Now, folks, let's think about this. If I have an eternal view, that person is going to die. And if they die without Christ, they're going to go to a place called hell. And if they go to a place called hell, that means they're eternally separated from God and families for the remainder of time. That's eternity. That's eternal. But so often, we're we're self-centered, immediate gratification. Um, Well, uh, just what happens to me right here in Tucson, that's all all that matters. And I forget that I need to have as a believer a God-centered, eternal view of other people. Do you know why I give to missions? Shelly and I, we give, uh, we, give, we give until it hurts to missions on a monthly basis. We make no apologies for that because God has always blessed us. And God has never made us go hungry because we give to missions. And here's the thing I want to encourage you is that there's one, one area of our life that ought to have a worldview, and that is, is that there are missionaries willing to go. We have Project 520 that reaches our local community. We are, are planting churches out of our church. And, and uh, just like a couple weeks ago, Pastor Jonathan spoke at New Beginning Baptist Church in Palm Coast, Florida, a church plant out of our church. May I just say this, is that we, are, we as a church are trying to live this way. What would happen if we had every church member trying to live this way? We could give $500,000 a year to missions. We could give $600,000 a year to missions with a congregation our size if we all understood that I should have a God-centered eternal view. So my mission is to be God-centered with a worldview, thinking about this, that eternity hangs in the balance. And that leads me to our fourth mission, and that we must shift our thinking from security to service. Oh, no, there you go, Pastor Armstrong. From security to service. Oh, we should be careful with our finances. And we should have been careful with our finances before we got deep in debt. And there are many here that are struggling financially because of unwise decisions that we've made. And in the process of doing that, we have robbed God with our tithes, our missions offering, and our stewardship because of decisions that we made. May I please implore you, now is not the time to make another financial mistake by robbing God when it comes to missions. We should move from this security thinking to service God's the one who's given me my next breath. And yes, we should be careful with uh, our health and we should be careful with our finances. But sometimes we focus so much on me and my future that we actually fail to serve. Consider the very words of Jesus. 
For whosoever will save his life shall what? When I only focus on me, I'm ultimately going to lose. For whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. Oh, there's security. I have X amount of money in the bank. I can sit in my easy chair and I take no thought for tomorrow. But there's some people that are willing to be expended. And they're willing to serve. And they're willing to do whatever it takes to get the gospel message out. I submit, church family, we need to do some shifting in our literal service to the Lord this morning. Would you consider Hebrews chapter 12? The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, notice what he says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. That is service. Let us run. Let us go. Let us serve. Why do we do that? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm so thankful that Jesus' work is finished. Aren't you? But our work is beginning. He handed the baton to us. His work is finished. He gave his life. And now it's up to each one of us to take the baton and understand that my mission is to be God-centered with a worldview thinking because eternity hangs in the balance. As eternity hangs in the balance, I must be willing to serve. So, you've already written the name of someone that's lost. Did you do that? Many of you did that. I saw you writing. Now I want you to take one line and there, and I want you to write where you serve in your church. I serve and where you serve. And for some of you, you're ushers, and some of you serve in, in sound, and some of you serve uh, in nursery, and some of you serve in Awana, some of you serve in architective uh, ministry, some of you serve in bus ministry, some of you serve in children's ministry. But I just want you to write it down there. I serve as an usher at TBC. I serve in the nursery as TBC. And if you're scrambling right now to find something to write down, you've just illustrated my point. We need to shift to service. Where are you serving? What are you doing for the Lord? You should have an understanding of my mission is to be God-centered, serving in my church. Well, that brings me to the fifth part of the mission, and that is this. We must shift our thinking from comfort, and we love our comfort. All of us love comfort to cost. We must shift our thinking from comfort to cost. That's the problem that we do not like. We do not like things that cost us. And I cannot sugarcoat your mission or my mission. There is a cost. And if I love the Lord and I love what He did for me, I'm willing to count that cost. And many of you have counted that cost. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. 
Not a dead sacrifice. Not a, a comfortable, if it fits into my schedule sacrifice. I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And that living sacrifice is going to be holy. It's going to be acceptable unto God. And it's going to be reasonable service. I'd like to ask you, are you serving? Have you counted the cost? Have you been willing to move out of that comfort zone to understanding that God wants me to serve him? So as I'm willing to live for him, I must yield to him and his desire and purpose for my life. Romans says this, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. In your notes, uh, uh, there's going to be a little diagram. And let's put that diagram up here. Let me explain it. I'm going to call this my investment guide. It was several years ago. I actually used this as an illustration in a different, uh, a, a different message uh, called My Investment Guide. Maybe you have uh, space there in your notes or uh, on the, in the very back of your, in the very, very back, you could write this on that blank piece of paper in the very back called My Investment Guide. I'd like for you to look there that, that in increments of 10, you write uh, 0 to 100 for my time, 0 to 100 for my talent, 0 to 100 for my treasure. So let's define those. We're talking about uh, I'm shifting from comfort to cost. Do you realize that if I'm going to use my time, there's a cost? You, you have counted it a reasonable cost to come to church this morning. Thank you for doing that. How many of you, it will be reasonable cost to stay at 1 o'clock? Amen. We'll have one. I do wonder how many of it it'll be reasonable. I, I'm willing to move from comfort. You know what? Uh, I, uh, we, uh, someone asked me this morning, uh, 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 are we having, uh, what are we having for lunch? But you know what? It honestly should not matter what we're having for lunch. Honestly. It, it matters not what we're having for lunch. But someone said, what are we having? I said, well, we're having turkey and ham. And, uh, and, and, and they wanted to know what was on the turkey and what was on the ham. And, and, and I, you know, and then, you know, I proceeded to say, well, I don't know. Maybe there's lettuce. Well, I don't like lettuce. I don't eat lettuce. You know what I could do? I could scrape lettuce off. Well, I don't like mayonnaise. Well, do you have a problem? I don't know. But we have people that says, that's outside of my comfort zone. I'm not staying. You, I, I, it's, it's illogical. I've got to go home. Uh, and so there's people that really they're more interested in comfort than the cost. And so, so time, you have, you have counted right now that it's worthy on a Sunday morning to be here. Well, that's what we're supposed to do. How many will count the cost to be here at 1 o'clock? How many will count the cost to be here at 6.30 Monday, Tuesday, and 5.30 on Wednesday when we feed you again? By the way, we're having Chick-fil-A, so I'll just tell you right now, if you don't like Chick-fil-A, don't come at 5.30. Save the church money, all right? So that way you can count the cost. So my time, will I be willing? Under my talent, every one of you have talent. You can pray. Every one of you have talent. You can pray. You can serve. You can sing. You can give. Every single person has talent. Where are you using your talents for the Lord? And every one of us have some measure of treasure. The widow had how many mites? How many did she give? She had two mites. Do you realize that every one of us, we have treasure? 
What are we willing to give? And then with that, you really just, you make a mark there. Where am I in giving my time investing for the Lord? Where am I giving my talents in investing for the Lord? You know, I'm, I, I'm really good. In a course of seven days, I'm, I'm willing to give 10, 15% of my time to the Lord. So there's a lot of comfort and a little cost. And some of you say, well, I'll, I'll give 20 bucks a month, and uh, you could afford 200 a month. And uh, so your comfort level is 20 bucks a month for missions, uh, token 20, when there would be a cost if you gave 200 a month. And so every one of us, you have to determine the percentage of where you are and where you want to be and in investing for God's uh, kingdom. I call this the investment guide. So I wonder if you'd be willing to do an honest assessment of each one. How many of you are investing in my mission for Christ? So I wonder if we said my investment guide, we said my mission for God. Where would our percentages be? Um, our text is all about my mission. And as a reminder, Jesus said to his loyal followers there in the passage of Scripture that we read, but lay not up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'd like to ask you to physically turn. I realize oftentimes the verses are on the screen behind me and we get used to that comfort level, but would you turn to one final passage of Scripture found in Luke chapter 16? It's a story, and I would like to read this story for you. It's a lengthy story where Jesus teaches a great lesson about finances. And I think we need to read the entire story to understand it. Here's the story. Luke 16 and verse number 9. Here's Jesus giving a story. And he said unto his disciples, so who is the topic of conversation? Jesus is talking to who? Those are people that are saved, that have followed Christ, that are, that are believers. Would we agree? So, if, so is he talking to the unsaved? Is he talking to the unchurched? No, he's talking to the church. To, uh, and I realize some of us say, well, the church hasn't been formed yet. I'm, 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 for our purposes, Jesus is talking to us. Okay, here we go. There was a certain rich man which had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said, Take thy bill, and write fourscore, which is eighty. And the Lord co commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Notice verse 10. He that is faithful, and that which is least, is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least, is unjust also in much. 
If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon or money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and money. God wants to use you. And God also wants to stretch you. God wants to use you. And he also wants to stretch you. Um, So I'd like to ask you, what will you do for missions over this next coming year? Where's your investment with your time and your talents and your treasures? That speaks volumes about what you will do. And I want to challenge all of us to, to carefully consider and pray. How can I give to missions this coming year? How can I keep these missionaries on the field? How can we send more missionaries to the field? With that, I ask you this question. Will there be anyone in heaven because of you? You wrote down the name of someone that's lost. Someone that was unsaved. Someone that could die within the next 10 seconds. You see, someone dies in the United States of America every 10 seconds. That could be the name of the person that you wrote down. Will they be in heaven because of you? Because you understand your mission? Because you have a worldview? Because you've moved out of the comfort zone to the cost zone? Is it all about you being self-centered? Or is it about being God-centered? Well, that person that you wrote down, and some of you wrote down a grandma and a grandpa. Some of you may have written down the name of a spouse or one of your children. Some of you may have written down the name of one of your grandchildren or a co-worker or a neighbor. Have they heard about Jesus because of you? The Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. I want to encourage you to tell others. I want to encourage you to close your Bibles and put up your books. I want to share with you a story, and then I'll be finished. It's now been... Like eight years ago, eight or nine years ago, since we gutted this auditorium. How many of you were members of our church before we did our remodel? Now let me remind you of what it used to look like. This used to be gray, and that used to be gray. It was very depressing. This auditorium had never been painted. It was dark. We had candle, uh, like castle lights hanging from the ceiling that were probably very popular in 1976. We had maroon carpet. It must have been beautiful when it was installed. I have no doubt that it was beautiful. We had pews. We had drapes that hung from, uh, from that beam up there and completely covered that center wall. The drapes were only open when we had a baptism. We had a completely different look. And so we raised a lot of funds We borrowed some money to build the restroom facility. For those who were here before, if you remember, there were only three ladies' toilets and one man's toilet. 
in the lobby. That was it. Church started late because the line was always out the door there with people waiting to go to the restroom. And so we needed to remodel, and we remodeled. And through that, we had a number of different vendors that were a part of that, from painters. Um, we had people that had to do carpet. By the way, it's time to replace the carpet again as you look around. We have something called stewardship if you haven't participated in that. We can replace the carpet again. But we replaced the carpet. We had people that came and installed the seats. We had to rerun wires for the stage that was expanded at that time. And, and we had, so we had flooring and lighting people. And we had all kinds of vendors. We tried to be a testimony. There was one of, uh, of our church members named Wayne Hilbert who, who was uh, really involved in the process and he knew some of the vendors and, and he invited uh, uh, on a very special service when we cut the ribbon and we Im- invited everyone to come back in for a, a, a special day uh, and everyone came in and they looked around and they were blown away with the new look. Now we're used to it. Uh, we installed these lights up here, and that was new to everyone, and, and, and everyone saw it for the first several weeks. Why are those lights hanging down, and now you don't even see it? We've become used to it. Well, one of those vendors was a, was a man by the name of Phil. He was very anti-God, wanted nothing to do with church, did not come to church, wanted nothing to do with God. We advertised, we're having a a special service, uh, cutting the ribbon. Everyone's coming back. We invited all the vendors. Some vendors didn't come, but but Wayne reached out to Phil and says, please, would you come and be my guest for that that service? And and Phil came, and he brought his wife, Marilyn, and and, uh, they sat over here on on, on my right, and and Wayne didn't even realize that they were there because he said, no, I'm not going to church. And he did, he was one of the vendors. Uh, we preached that morning. It was an exciting service. Uh, preached a salvation message. At the invitation, we had people who got saved. But Phil, he was quick to leave. Wayne was over here at this door. And Marilyn came, and, and she came all the way around. And she told Wayne, I got saved this morning. And she didn't want her husband to know because he was so anti-God. And Wayne was a, a, a light in Marilyn's uh, life there. And Marilyn just uh, slowly began to grow in her faith. And she became a light in her husband's life. You see, I know that if I had said this morning, write down who you want to be saved, Marilyn would have written her husband Phil's name. That's who she would have written. She wanted to see her husband saved. So as a direct result of us doing the remodel, Marilyn got saved. And that was, a, that was a glorious, that was glorious. Well, Marilyn continued to be a light. And I'm happy to report to you that, that Phil trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior as a result of Marilyn getting saved and Marilyn living a life. She, she had a husband who was anti-God, who was in every way uh, an atheist, if you want to use that terminology, Wanted nothing to do with God. Felt uncomfortable being here at church. Marilyn changed from self-centered to God-centered. She changed from having this view uh, of just me to having a worldview. She had to actually set aside her comfort and understand there's a cost for me being a Christian 
and being the wife of a, a man who's an atheist. She had to understand that my mission is to reach my husband. And God saved Phil. And I'm so thankful for that testimony that, that happened as a result. Who will be in heaven because of you?